0: Big decisions, paths followed, choices made. This is Connections, Conversations about Life and Work. I'm your host, Jim Allen. I've always been fascinated by stand-up comedians and comedy in general. Um, I love comedy. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I've got a real live up-and-coming comedian with me today. Welcome chili davidson hello hi nice to be here first question i'm going to ask you is the first question probably everyone asks you what's the deal with the name chili
1: ah yes how did you get that we can't just ignore that um well uh so i was named after a baseball player uh my parents were very into uh sports particularly baseball and hockey i guess for a little bit in the 80s and 90s and uh my brother was named after kirby puckett my sister, uh her nickname is after Mookie Wilson and myself I'm named after Chili Davis. Chili Davis. Um who's been very uh he's been the nicest to us and, and you've met, met him several right? times. Yeah. yeah. He I don't know if he has a job right now, but he was became a hitting coach and so Famous player. Less famous yeah, player. and famous now player. but he's less famous, so whenever he'd come into town as a hitting coach and he'd hear people yelling Chili, he knew it was us. You are out there hustling.
0: You're mm-hmm. pursuing Every angle of comedy you can. There's sketch comedy, improv, stand-up, comic acting. Mm -hmm. You produce live and virtual comedy shows, Mm -hmm. thanks to the pandemic, no doubt, Mm -hmm. where you're responsible for finding, hiring, and paying all the acts. You do two podcasts. Mm -hmm. This is
1: something that you've wanted to do...
0: Your whole life, right? Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I've been as a kid. I was just like always, kind of trying to entertain and trying to perform, put on shows in the house. Um, And I was also just a comedy nerd from like the time I was young. I, at a very young age, my dad started playing records for me: Monty Python, George Carlin, and I got really into the Monkees, which was like a comedy show. And then I started watching. Um, early SNL, early SCTV, and just loved those people, uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Chevy Chase, and just became a Peter Sellers, became obsessed with these people, Leslie Nielsen, and I just... I wanted to emulate that at any cost. Jerry Seinfeld, uh, I would watch his special from two thousand and one or ninety eight, I think, actually. You memorize um, these things. And I would memorize it and you I'd memorize do them? it over and over. And I would physically like stand up and get so excited. Like it just brought so much joy to me to watch him do a stand-up comedy because I loved even if I didn't get every single joke which I think he's fairly accessible to young kids because it's not super, um, you don't have to know a lot, but I just would get excited by the intonation, the way it worked, the just wonderful craftsmanship that he came together with. And I just became sort of entranced by this stuff and and the joy that I saw that it would bring, you know, to my parents, how much they loved it. Watching my dad um, watch Python or uh, Young Frankenstein just the joy that came to his eyes was like, whoa, this is something really special, and I want to do this.
0: I saw, so I had an old, older brother uh, when he was 15 or 16. He took me to see George Carlin. Wow. So I was like 12 or 13, and you could wow. f- almost feel the, all the eyes on you. Like, I'm probably too young right. to be there. And I, And that was when he was doing the seven words you can't say on television. So this was
1: still pretty good, Carlin, I would consider. I would consider this many people great, would consider great, Carlin. Well, you know, he was probably peak... Carlin at but that point. I can't remember. You
0: know, you're la- probably I'm probably laughing because I'm everyone else is laughing. I mean, yeah. who knows what I'm getting and who
1: I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I understood. We say seven- that word and someone whispered that well, the word. Seven, to me I mean,
0: I knew the words. But, uh, but it was uh, you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I remember seeing Seinfeld in person after the TV show. It was like seeing the Beatles in person. Like everyone yeah. there there he is. There he there, is. There he is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like- the reason I say uh pretty good Carlin is because I'm a weird person that I actually really liked early Carlin. He hates that part of himself, so but he was all, very he's
0: very clean cut and in a suit AMFM
1: was the album that I listened to. That's sort of like his transition into like the new Carlin, but like half of it's all like characters, like the divorce game show, the hippy dippy weatherman, um, this type of stuff. And I like some of the stuff he did after that. Don't get me wrong. It's sort of post two thousand that I really. Don't like, but I'm I'm sort of weird in that I liked the early Carlin stuff a lot.
0: So I mean, you really study this stuff, is that? fair to- Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I
1: became obsessed with a lot of this stuff. in and you know, instead of most Friday and Saturday nights where people go out, I go. I really think I got to watch Pink Panther three again. I think that's the one I want to watch, right? And and you just you need to watch like, oh, I found this this one that I've never seen with Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn. This is what I got to watch this weekend. And, and you just you get entranced by it. So we're a big
0: supporter of Google on this program. So yeah. uh, when I was going to interview you, I, I immediately Googled questions to ask a stand-up comedian. <laughs> but luckily for for you, I threw them all out. So uh, so I'll get some tougher ones for you. Great, so, great. Um, in general, okay. In because we can we can you know talk about comedy here. Sure. In general, uh-huh. in recent years. College campuses have this reputation for political correctness, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, Yeah, right? Um, to the point where professional comedians don't even want to tour college campuses. Now, yeah. I know you're not in school anymore, yeah. but you are younger than me. Yeah. So you're here to defend all young people yeah, I'm happy everywhere. To. So
1: what's the deal? What's happy the to. deal? Yeah. Um, i i am not a believer i don't even really like the term political correctness all that much um everyone's always gotten offended at any point in history um we we're speaking about mark Marin before this he did a great podcast recently about how people used to be jailed for the things they say now people get tweeted about oh boohoo like what's the big deal now it's just because it's more accessible and people are talking about it um There are great comedians who do college campuses who don't do very well. That's just not their audience. Just don't go there because you're not doing well and they're not expecting that. But if you're young and you're relevant, age is is meaningless and you're going to be speaking to them and they're going to laugh. And that's just because you're relevant or not relevant to what they're thinking about. And some of these people, like I remember Jerry Seinfeld said something about it and then he walked it back about a year later going, I think I was in the wrong in that situation and sort of uh, apologized for it or, or denied it weirdly because I probably his publicist or something said, don't say that. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I, I'm not really a believer in that there's things you can and can't say. I think it's all about relevancy. And if you're talking about something you don't know very much about,
0: people are going to see through it really quickly. So just the other night, Bill Maher said on his program, sort of on this
1: topic, yeah. right?
0: Kids used to go to college to lose their virginity now they go to lose their sense of humor.
1: I well, I do you uh, like Bill Maher? I have a lot of respect for Bill Maher, <laughs> and I sometimes watch his show because I like the roundtable format a lot. Yeah, but I don't really like him anymore. He's he is getting a little cranky. He's getting a little, a little cranky, cranky and unnecessary, and stuff he said in the last few years on the program. Sometimes he said it's like what. Why do you feel like you can use racial slurs because you're someone different than I don't know I, I I'm not uh, you know again I have tons of respect I do think he's a great standup comedian and he's you know done great stuff and I think that his old show was w- more relevant than he is now the politically incorrect show that he used to do and now I think he ago, just yeah. is a curmudgeon, uh libertarian wow. who likes to. You Know, wow, just in sight. Am I already? No, no, that's cool. I like that. I, like that. I uh,
0: I got to get a dictionary to figure out what libertarian means, but <laughs> I don't um, think libertarians really know what it means. The interesting thing about <laughs> you, though, is uh, given all of this, that, yeah, you know, some people think you know, being on a camp college campus is it's a tough crowd, sure, and sometimes because there's studying politics for the first time or being, ex- and I get that, right? Right, because I have you know, I've Couple daughters that are well, one in particular is taking sociology and stuff, right. and it's like she's at that point where everything's very dogmatic and like she's just offended. But as soon as you launch into anything a little right. off color or whatever, right? Right, you right. Want to describe it. And yet, of all things, given that background, of all things, you actually went to school for stand up comedy, so yeah. you deliberately went into the eye of the storm, right? So, <laughs> yeah, if we so can call it So was it, it possible for, yeah. for you to talk to anyone outside of your course, or did, did everyone
1: hate you? Um, I don't... Like, I could talk to people outside my course, um, but we did, I mean, we wanted to talk to each other. I mean, it was cool in the sense that you finally find, find like-minded people. Um, that was the best thing about any arts program, is you find like-minded people. I mean, it's usually... And I say this because every it's an open secret. No arts program is worth the cost that you, you know, you're not immediately going to get a job. Lauren Michaels doesn't look at your degree and go, oh, this is perfect. You're going to be a writer on the show next year. You go there to meet people and you find like-minded people and things like that. But in terms of talking to people outside the program, you could. And people, I, I do think there's sort of a mystic culture around stand-up comedians like, oh man, let's go see the comedians and then they'll go see one of our student shows at Yuck Yucks one night and they'll go, okay, I think we're not going to go back for a while because <laughs> everybody working bombed. You're working <laughs> it <laughs> out. Well, you're working it out.
0: I, I get that. The real question, though, is mm-hmm. can you
1: teach funny? I don't think you can teach funny, but I think you can teach people tricks and tools and help people develop along the way and find ways you know humber's big slogan is we make funny people funnier and i do think there is some truth in that um and it's not for everybody and some people are great and they really never clicked at humber and uh some people decided that they didn't want to do comedy at all but i do think that you can uh te- i mean we can teach improv uh, which is my favorite thing to do in the world it's like always say yes and yes and 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 so don't listening, um, you know, uh object work and the building upon what the other person has done, and you know don't don't teach people or don't uh get into a negotiation scene, and there's different things you can do. It's fun to throw them out the window and just have fun. That's how I like to do improv, but they're still kind of in the back of your head um so.
0: Steve Harvey Mm -hmm. was on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And uh, so Seinfeld, that's a Seinfeld thing. right? Seinfeld, Seinfeld, I'm not going to imitate Seinfeld, but Seinfeld speaking to Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. He goes, is comedy teachable? And Steve Harvey goes, no, if you explain it to them, Mm -hmm. it'll always make no sense. Yeah, well, they're bitter (laughs) old cats. He's rich and bitter, though. Seinfeld says then... You can get better at anything you want to get better at, except this. Right. And I was once asked to talk at a comedy class, and I went in front of the class. I said, the fact that you're even here is a very bad sign, because I wouldn't be a part of any of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you obviously don't agree with that. So. I, I mean, I do what I don't, which is weird. I mean, first of all, the statement that you can't get better at it is wild, because he literally has gotten better at it. That's how everybody improves. The part that I do think is true is that, and he said it in a way that was like, because Jerry's such an interesting guy, because I love that show. And some episodes, he's just sort of like being a jerk, explaining to people what comedy is. And other episodes, he's so fun, and they're great episodes. And he's my hero. I love Jerry. But 80%, I'll say, just picking a number, of the stuff that I've learned about how to do comedy is just by doing it. Right, You just get out there get and there. you find it out. Did I learn stuff at Humber College in Toronto? Absolutely. Did I meet people that I like? Did I uh, develop tricks and tools about how to do stuff? Absolutely I did. But what's the majority of the comedy I learned was doing it. And there's tons of people that didn't go to the program that are great. And there's tons of people that did go to the program that have had success. Nathan Fielder being the biggest example of someone who basically invented a genre and built this show that had no one had ever seen before and is kind of known in, uh, I think, Canada and the U.S. as, as this original do. Were you funnier after you took the course, or are you the same? I think I would have to be because just time gets you better. And Just I getting had, up on stage. Just getting up on stage. I, I, was, I came right out of high school, and I consider myself super creative and weird, and I think a lot of my friends saw that, But I was very inconsistent and just, like, undisciplined in what I really... I just didn't have it figured out at all. I mean, who I was at 18. I mean, everybody can say this is different than you are at 25, which I am now.
0: So I went to Ryerson for radio and television. Oh, yeah. And I was pretty anonymous. Mm -hmm. So kind of of most of my classmates probably wouldn't even remember who I was. So, except for the real core group. But, but I I, you know, that was a three-year course. And I remember... Looking around the third year, and I'm just going,
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Not to be, you know, I, I, I have got to be better than half of these people. Right. Okay. Yeah. So when you were in this course, did yeah. you look around and say to yourself, I'm better? I've got to be better than
1: half of these people. I have when never had no. that confidence. Uh, I wish I did. But don't you have to? Don't you have to? You have to. And I've gotten better at it that way. But I am one of i'm definitely just so uh i don't i lack a lot of confidence in a lot of areas and and um but i sort of always tried to apply uh, harold Ramis used to say find the funniest person in the room and go sit next to them that was always my philosophy how can i get myself associated with the funniest people in the room and if i wasn't working with them i'd go see their shows and i'd go hang out with them and i just marveled at them and i tried to just and you know Over time, groups break up and and sketch troops or whatever, and you end up just starting to work with these people. But, you know, Held Ramis did that with Bill Murray and Brian Dole Murray and Joel Flaherty and uh, Gilda Radner and these people. And, you know, I would do the same thing with my peers, right? I'd go, that person makes everybody laugh. I'm going to become friends with this guy because everyone finds her funny or them funny or him funny. I want to be with them. But
0: now, but you have to be confident, don't you, to... the likelihood of big success for right. you is slim. And I'm sure you've been told that and told that and told that. If you don't believe in yourself, no one will, right? So totally. Don't you have, or do you, is it a constant,
1: do you just? It's a constant, yeah. Do I believe myself? Absolutely. Do I believe that I could be somewhere in a lot of years? But you're only as good as your last set, is what they sort of say. It is such a, difficult world um stand-up we've talked a lot about stand-up but stand-up might be my least favorite of the comedy uh areas because (laughs) it is so nerve-wracking and you can i can go off a couple weeks where i'll have a good set and i'll just get on a roll and then every show open mic i do i'm just rolling i'm confident i'm doing great and then i'll have a bomb and I'll be in my head for like a week or two. And you just start going. And why did I bomb?
0: It's the same jokes, the same different jokes. Rooms. Do you, do you blame the crowd or the room, or?
1: W- It's all about my delivery, right? Like if I'm not delivering every line, of course they're not laughing because I'll listen to the tape because I record every set. And I go, yeah, well, I said the wrong line there. That doesn't make sense. I forgot a whole word there. I wasn't confident because you can say people can get away with some pretty crummy jokes if they deliver them really well.
0: Yeah, and it I guess when you get up on stage and bomb, right? Everyone says you got to go through that. You got to bomb. But that's that instant feedback that why did I bomb? Why yeah. did why did those jokes not work? Yeah. Why did it, and it's I guess it's I don't know that feeling, but I guess you could screw up the first th- beat or or yeah. joke and then everything after that just it's a cascading effect and Right, right. What's bombing like? Bombing
1: Perfect. is is so so when I sort of talked about this, but when I started stand-up, I would do it once at the, the Humber night at Yuck Yucks, bomb my tail off and be so afraid and I wouldn't come back for a month. And then I'd write a whole new act and I'd bomb. And I'd go, what's going on? And then just bomb after bomb after bomb. And then I started listening to recordings and I was like, oh, people laugh at like my cadence sometimes when I'm like awkwardly make a comment. So that's when I built this character that was supposed to bomb. It was like dad jokes, just sort of like me dialed up to like 100. And it was all these really weird jokes. And I would like pretend to do like, you know, little things in between like Dave Coulier being like keep it rolling or like make noises like Tim Allen and just sort of do this thing. And it worked to a certain extent. Uh, People were enjoying it. It was weird. It was different. Um, And then I did my showcase at the end of Humber uh, College. You do this sort of mock showcase. Some former students come back and evaluate you, and the teachers evaluate you. And Mark Breslin sits at the back on his phone and pretends to pay attention. Um, (laughs) And then you go up to him afterwards. And I'd met him the week before, and we got along because I like classic comedy and stuff like that. So he's giving you feedback? So his feedback to me um, was, you had a funny face and a funny name, but other than that, there's nothing funny about you. This is what he says to people. It's all real. It's all very brutal. He goes, you did a character up there, and no one other than Pee Wee Herman does a character. There's actually multiple people that have done characters in stand-up over the years. Not as many, but Steve Martin, Emo Phillips, whatever. Like lots of people who have done successful. But then he did say something, which I sort of took to heart, which was that he said, Dial it back a bit and you might have something. And I thought, that's interesting. That's actually a good piece of advice. But don't look like you're trying so hard. Just pull the thing back a bit. Because I started doing some open mics afterwards and it was really hard at open mics where it's just comics and you're waiting two hours to get on to just pump up this energy to do this character that seems like he's on another planet. I'm not looking at the audience. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm looking above them acting acting rather than doing stand-up. And so I just decided, throw everything out, and you start again. And I would bomb most nights, just finding. And then I found this great middle ground of going, I can use some of that stuff because that is me. I am this kind of weird guy, but I can also write stuff that's meaningful. I can talk about relationships I've had. I can talk about my family. I can talk about my personal life, and I can be self-deprecating, and I can be honest about myself. And you kind of find that. And when you bomb... It sucks because sometimes it's just how you deliver the material. But when you deliver it right, you can go back and listen to the tape and go, okay, that line's working, that's not working. The punchline isn't nearly good enough because the setup is getting a laugh and that's not getting a laugh. So you just go through it. Um, But you're going to do some bad open mics. And sometimes for whatever reason, I just get nervous and I don't deliver it well. And it's hard to avoid that. But that's it. I mean... Seinfeld has so many great quotes about stand-up too. And he goes, why I like baseball so much. The best hitter in baseball is hitting 400, let's say. That's even a lot for today's standards. But that means they strike out 6 out of 10 times. They don't get a hit 6 out of 10 times. That's what comedy is. And hopefully over the years you learn to weed out those bombs but you're still bombing. And he still goes out. He made a great documentary of, he did this great special uh, in 98, and then he did a documentary about restarting. And you see him bomb. You see him working on material. material, So he gets heckled and he goes, this is bombing. I'm bombing right now. Uh, And that is so, I love that documentary because it's like, yeah, everybody does. Everybody has to build that material up and figure out how to do it. And, you know, as I say, as you get farther along, you have audiences that want to see you, which is helpful. You're not on some whatever show. And you just build confidence, hopefully, over the years. But everybody can lose that confidence at any point. So that that month where you bom- you,
0: you bombed and then you kind of took – you kind of retreated from the stage by the sounds of it. Was Same this time. a cri- crisis for you, though, when you, you bombed the bomb, a that bit. particular event? Then you kind of stepped back, reworked your app. Was that an existential crisis you're gonna to have to get the dictionary out. a little but, bit but you never considered I, I, quitting or anything
1: i've just considered quitting a few times i mean right. i tribute a lot of people i remember this may have been still when i was doing the character but i remember a few months after i'd done college i couldn't get any shows and i was scared to death to ask people to do shows it was uh, that was a problem with my confidence because
0: you're being rejected by the booker basically or whoever's yeah
1: and i was like why am i good enough to be on these shows i'm some 19 year old schmo who doesn't know anything and then i remember emailing someone to do a show incredibly nice person uh claire belford who used to do uh show up poor boy in toronto and i emailed her And about a week later, she messaged me to do the show. And then I did the show. I had a really good set. And then afterwards, I was like, "Uh, hey, you saw that email? And she goes, no, that email doesn't work. I just saw you at an open mic and wanted to book you. And I was like, okay, maybe I won't quit this because somebody thinks that I'm good at this. And, you know, that's happened a few times where, you know, I could go through months weeks where I don't get anything and then I'll get a bunch of stuff in a row and you just build your confidence again you go oh I can do this I'm not that bad at it so um it you know you kind of I don't know if I've ever considered quitting entirely but you definitely go am I really in the right position to be is, is this for me there's so many good stand-up comedians in Toronto. there's so much competition for what you're going for you sort of go what do I have to offer what do I have to add but then you do a great set and you go well, I felt like I was original, and I felt like I was me, and I'm the only me that exists out there. So I should just keep tapping into that.
0: I'm a I'm a big believer in free speech and you know pushing the envelope. So I appreciate you know edgier sure material sure uh, from a from a you know an audience member's point of view Um sure. that's part of the fun the the danger. Are there any topics that are off?
1: limits so my opinion has always been nothing should be off limits it's what you talk about and it's how you talk about it because you know if you see a comic up on stage who's talking about being gay for example and he or she or they are not gay and they clearly don't know what they're talking about you're immediately going to go well this doesn't make any sense and it's just mean. It's What's just not authentic,
0: hurtful. is it? Or, or something's
1: missing. It's something's missing. Or it's just, it just seems hurtful. And it's bullying. And it's hurtful. And you're going well. There's no point in this comic in 2022 talking about AIDS or whatever because it doesn't make sense. But again, I think anybody can talk about anything if they have the right angle and they're creative about it. And there's dark people out there who we all like, and that's fine. Um, but you just have to be prepared to deal with the consequences sometimes if what you're saying is uh, drawing a line. And, you know, I've seen people in Toronto and I go, that was five minutes of hate speech with no laughs about being domestic abuse or whatever. And you go, that wasn't funny. That wasn't enjoyable. Um, Doesn't mean he can't find angles, but it was really disturbing to watch. And I don't want to see that right so i think that there's that line of where it's mean and where it's fun so true or false if it bends
0: it's funny if it breaks it's not funny
1: i would say true <laughs> despite the vagueness of that statement where's where that from
0: That's to test of your you've never heard that before
1: i feel like i have but i couldn't tell Terms you and misdemeanors it's okay alan alda it's yeah. a woody allen movie yeah. i thought you'd I thought, I've seen you'd it. roll your eyes when I say I've that. seen it I I, I a, well he's like a he's, I no longer watch Woody Allen movies but I will not lie and say that I loved them when I was a kid yes
0: it's one of, I, I, they've can, they cancel everyone that I I like you know like Louis CK right
1: for good reason for good but yeah. also frustrating too was, you were saying the be, the best stand-up set I've ever seen was from a guy that should be in prison right now but he's been released but it was I saw it a number of years ago and I thought this man is the most talented person I've ever seen. And he should be in prison. Who's that? I mean, he's the worst of the worst. We know who he is. He had his own show for about 10 years in the 90s. Um, love Jello. Oh, okay. But,
0: it's so bad you won't say his, but say his name.
1: Goodness gracious, that was an incredible stand up.
0: So, personal question for you has, com- has being in comedy been good for your love life?
1: I'm. <laughs> um, Yes and no. I think, in the sense that I can talk about things, right? I can. You talk don't have about to answer it. that. But I did <laughs>
0: see this on Twitter. Okay. It's a quick, quick tip. If you just a week with a week or two ago, uh, if you ever want to end a Tinder conversation but are too afraid to ghost the person. Tell them you're a comedian, (laughs) and it will stop any good conversation dead in its tracks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I said that. There's no way to navigate those things at all. You can never predict when someone's just going to stop talking. But it is funny when sometimes I'll say, I actually do comedy, because I'm not going to lie about what I do. Like, I'm not going to open up with it. But if they ask, I'll answer the question, and then radio silence. So what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? Um, Is it too dark to say on the, (laughs) the show? No, um, I think I would love to be in the creative world in some capacity, wherever it is. Um, I is think it, that isn't
0: the correct answer, there is no plan B?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my only plan B is that, as I say, I'll find something in the creative world. If I have to shift within the creative world, wear a different hat, I'll do it. But my dream is, you know, my short-term goal is do live improv and write for TV long-term produce tv and movies that's sort of what i want that's the short answer but i will go wherever this journey takes me people watching this
0: is there any anything you want to promote
1: anything i want to promote um so uh, i don't know when this comes out but next friday night 8:30 p.m at the socap theater in toronto my sketch troupe is doing what might be our last show altogether because i might be moving south and we've got a killer lineup on it um jackie pierco chris Sanford. Um, Tim Blair and Vance Benzo from the tall boys. Um, it's going to be on it really, really good. So check that out, check out my podcast. Um, and you can follow boy girl party sketch. We have a lot of video sketch on there. Um, and, uh, I do a weekly improv jam 9:30 PM at the Socap theater also in Toronto on at Wednesdays. Um, so come see that. Um, I think yeah. you buried
0: the lead. Uh, we're burying the lead here. You said you might move south. What was was that a Freudian
1: slip or, or? no? It's not a Freudian slip. So what's it's, that? It's about someone it? something I've been telling people for way too long and haven't done. Um, so I'm lucky enough um, through my mom's family to have um, dual citizenship. So I hold a passport for Canada and the U.S. Um, and uh, I've been planning to move there for a while. And then two things have prevented me. One is. Uh, this big uh colossal earth thing that just happened right. where everyone can get sick at any time the other one is just fear uh that I haven't gone down there right. uh, so where
0: where is this specifically Los, Los Angeles? Angeles
1: yeah um uh so I just have to rip off that bandaid uh, and and go do it um you know I've got some strategies about how to kind of ease myself out there, but I've been out there a couple times i I've done some improv and some open mics and stuff down there before um but uh, and it's a, a, a bigger pool with more fish is the way I like to describe it. more opportunities more shows but a lot more people. I'm not so unrealistic to the point that I'm like as ah, soon as they go down there you know Spielberg will be calling or whatever I'm you know but if I can get anything if I can you know uh, be a script assistant on a late night show and just signify my way in you know I hope I look at this interview in 10 years and cringe at how optimistic. Or uh, unguided, I was, um, but that's sort of you know. I hope I can get somewhere and get into some door, and you never know what happens.
0: I think there's been you know a healthy healthy dose of optimism and realism here, so I think uh...
1: that's I think that's the secret for a stand up comic is uh, I I I don't understand any comedians who are so overconfident. I spoke to one comic once, and I won't say their name, but this person came up to me and we were talking about comedy, and he goes. Uh, you got any gigs this month? And I was like, oh, I have one thing or whatever. And he goes, yeah, I'm hosting um, this one show. It's the only entry-level gig I have this month. I thought, entry-level gig? What job do you think you're doing? <laughs> right? And I don't think about it enough as a business because you do uh, to a certain extent. But like, I think when you start referring to things as entry-level jobs, like it's the corporate world, you're already in trouble. I don't know. That feels like a weird thing to say. Uh, When you talk about comedy, because comedy to me is all about the love and making people laugh. And that's why I love improv, because it's all about collaboration and fun and getting to work with people and get to have fun with people you like working with. It's really good to talk to you. Great to talk to you, Jim. Thanks for coming. Happy to be here.
0: Thanks for listening. If you have a comment or if you want to be on the show, send me an email at connectionsvideopod at gmail.com and please subscribe.